Hello, 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 and welcome back to an all-new episode of The Darius Show. For today's episode, we're going to be reviewing and breaking down the newest anime to hit Netflix. This is a Netflix original. That's called Cyberpunk. Cyberpunk is loosely related to the game Cyberpunk 2077, so if you played that, you'll definitely enjoy this. Me, personally, I've never really played the game. I've seen some friends tackle it a, a little bit here and there, but I was still able to have a lot of enjoyment without any uh, knowledge of this world going into it. Without further ado, let's go ahead and roll the intro and get right into it. It's the Darius Show, y'all already know. Drop your booty to the floor, come give me some more. It's the Darius Show. It's the Darius Show. All right, so Cyberpunk is about a street kid trying to survive in a technology and body modification obsessed society of the future. Having everything to lose, he chooses to stay alive by becoming by becoming an edge runner, a mercenary, and outlaw, also known as a cyberpunk. Now, the cyberpunk genre, because really that is the name of this entire genre that this show is dipping its toe into is a well-worn one in the past. Now, think Blade Runner or think even uh, in Star Wars and the Book of Boba Fett, they kind of introduce these like space pirate, you know, cyberpunk type characters. We've seen a lot of characters like this depicted in fiction before. Now, as far as an entire show that takes place within this type of genre, I do think that this is the most inventive and most well-realized version of this type of storytelling I've ever seen on TV. I do think that it being an animated television series uh, lends itself very greatly to this genre. And animation, tone, and world is really what this series does the best in terms of executing its story. Uh, Sometimes I think that there's some criticisms, and we'll get into that. But overall, the world and tone that it's executed, it does a brilliant job at realizing the cyberpunk genre to life in this series for sure. Off the bat here, I do want to go ahead and give a warning. This is going to be filled with spoilers. So if that's going to be a problem for you, I do recommend watching the series. It's on Netflix right now. It's only 10 episodes. Each episode's only about 20 minutes or so. So it's definitely something you can get through pretty quickly. It's an open and closed story. So I don't think that there's really a future for this series. There could be more stories told in the same world. But for these characters, it certainly seems like our story's done. But yeah, I definitely recommend it, but for going on forward here, we're going to dive right into spoilers. Our main protagonist of the series goes by the name David, and David, he's a pretty good kid. He's just really broke. His mom basically scrapes together every penny that she can in order to send him to this private school that should set him up on track to live a, a good life. You know, this is his pipeline into having money and having a good job for the future. Um, he doesn't quite fit into the school. He's constantly being ostracized, and he doesn't really even have the funds to meet the bare minimum requirement of really staying in the school. You know, they require updates and whatnot. And so he fe- he feels like he's the black sheep going to the school, even though it's what his mom wants. His mom sacrifices her entire life to get him there, and he he remains there and continues to do a good job in just to kind of honor his mom and honor the sacrifices that she makes. However. In our first episode, when she tragically passes away, she gets caught up in some gang violence and she actually ends up just being a bystander who ends up being killed just in the crossfire. The tragedy that is presented in this moment is because she doesn't have the highest form of insurance uh, in this, you know, 
this is a futuristic story, obviously. This is a sci-fi series. In the future, when there's all this great technology to help save people really quickly, only the you know top percenters of the world have access to this insurance that you know gets priority treatment within a uh, tragedy situation just like this. And so David uh, has to see his mom just die away right in front of his eyes when people literally walk by and have the capacity to help her. They don't because she doesn't have that insurance. And right off the bat, that is a huge theme that we're exposed to in episode one of this series. And that's the theme that kind of looms over the entire series, even though they narratively don't do anything to ever address it outright. But it is a theme throughout. And that is class warfare. Uh, of course, this this is a dystopian future type of situation, but, you know, it really harkens back to the things that we're facing now, things that we've kind of always faced, and that's the rich get richer and the poor get poorer. In this world in particular, where people are starting to do body modifications and live a life uh, further intertwined with technology, it's easy to see a world that only furthers that divide, where the rich have more and more access to technology that lets them continue to thrive and succeed in a world built on technology. Definitely a cautionary tale for what we're we're quickly diving into in our own culture, but yeah. So after his mom dies, that leaves David pretty much with no options. He doesn't have the option of staying at the school. He can't afford it on his own. He can't even afford his rent, and he can't even afford to wash his clothes on his own. In this world, being left without a another adult figure in your life really leaves you with no options and for him that ends up uh, having him quickly turn to the cyberpunk community to kind of steal and scrape his way through this world taking odd jobs that are kind of against the rules pushing his body through limits that wouldn't otherwise be accepted just so he can get by now that's kind of that kind of sets the stonework for the plot line for our main character and how he dives into this world and kind of continues to go through that world But the real MacGuffins to make this all happen is when Lucy jumps into his life. And now this is where I feel like this is a very common trope. This is actually the first time I've really identified this as while watching it. But the second Lucy jumps into David's life, the the structure that takes on for the next couple episodes feels like something I've seen in a lot of different anime before. And I'm going to specifically refer to a few here. Now, Lucy is a detached character when we first meet her. She's very aloof. She's presented under a very cool look, and she's got some secrets. She's holding her cards very close to her vest when we first meet her. Now, the chemistry that Lucy and David have, uh, they catch on fire very quickly. And um, what what it really reminds me of is Fooly Cooly, if you've ever seen that. And specifically, oh man, Renton Thurston, I can't remember what it's called, Eureka 7. Those are two animes where where the cool, amazing, somewhat older perhaps, and certainly more experienced anime girl comes crashing through our main character's bedroom. And for bedroom as a metaphor, just crashing in through their lives, uh, changing everything up in one in one fellow swoop, one moment, everything changes from there, right? And I do think that their relationship more closely mirrors Eureka 7 and the visual design, the type of world that they live in. I think that this series probably borrows a lot of inspiration from Eureka 7, uh, unless it just happens to be a full-on coincidence. It's certainly unique enough, but I saw a lot of similar beats. In this series, and as well as the ones that I just mentioned, uh, the female just happens to be just out of grasp, especially at first for our main character. It's this amazing female that you know changes their life and is the apple of their eye immediately, and they always have a connection with the protagonist as well. 
but there's this feeling of yearning now I will say where this series differs from the ones that I just quoted is that they move past that pretty quickly and they actually get to have a relationship where they're on the same, they're on equal footing fairly quickly into the narrative here. Lucy and David actually end up being a full on couple, fairly inseparable for the rest of the series that we see them together. One thing I forgot to mention is that David actually has his hands on some specific, they call it Chrome tech. There's a lot of, um, there's a lot of futuristic jargon that's used in this series, and so forgive me if I don't keep up with that in particular, but he gets infused with this technology that essentially should have him turn into a psycho-psycho, what's it called, cyber-psycho, uh, very quickly. No one, no one expects him to last more than a couple weeks using this technology without it completely frying his brain. A cyber-psycho is someone who has genetically infused their own body with technology to the point where their brain eventually just can't take it anymore. Your your genetic body gets outdone by the technology you've infused it with, and then you go total psycho, see red, you completely lose sight of who you are, and then you just wreak havoc until you're put out or until you put yourself out. The implication that David is just a mere moment away from pushing himself over the line and becoming a psycho, uh, a cyber psycho and, you know, ending his own life and perhaps the ones around him is always there. There's, that's always the tension that you're playing with with this character from day one into the final scene of the series is that when is he finally going to push it over the line? Why does he keep pushing his his limits here and why does it not end up frying his brain? Everyone that he runs into is just be, is just assuming that he's, you know, moments away from this inevitable ending for himself. That being said, our main character, as he continues to remind himself, is special. We don't really understand the reasons why he has a an, an unnatural uh, affinity towards using this technology without it having these grave consequences for him. Of course, we do get moments throughout the series to know that it is wearing thin on him. This is still an inevitability, even though he's able to push it off for longer than any other character we are introduced to in the series. But it is established in episode two and then there out that David has these uh, extra abilities that nobody else has and he's going to run with it. And the whole time as an audience, you're sitting with that tension of when is he going to finally snap and then what's going to happen once that does happen. So that's kind of that's honestly the structure that this narrative takes on. So I've touched on our titular characters, Lucy and David. They're at the center of the narrative in this series. But what I want to touch on is a lot of the other side characters, because I do think a large part of the charm of the series is establishing the various members of the gang that uh, that our main characters establish, you know, people in our main group, but also some of the people just around that we get to interact with within this world, I think do are a large part of what makes the series really stand out. So... Without further ado, Ripper Doc. This character. Now, I did listen to this series in English. Um, not always the choice I would have made for an anime, but I figured since this is uh, a part of this game universe, and I saw some of the casting on the English dubbing, I had faith that it would be pretty good. Now, I was not disappointed uh, at all. Ripper Doc, in particular, is a character with a heavy Jamaican accent or a Caribbean, uh, somewhere like that. I'm I'm not super... I'm pretty ignorant, guys, if you haven't already noticed. If you listen to this show, you know I'm damn ignorant. But I think it's Jamaican. This character is kind of like... He's like the, the gizmo character. He's the one that our characters go to whenever they need a tech upgrade or a repair or something like that. 
he's really sketchy. He's really pushing the limits on what can be accepted in terms of infusing your body with technology. But he also proves to be the most advanced version of that that we've seen. He pulls off crazy stuff, and he's only he always manages to do so while delivering some some expertly delivered lines. His dialogue and his scenes always have a different energy to them. He's one of the first characters that we see David interacting with in the series, and we check in with him throughout. So he's certainly main character level in terms of appearances throughout the series. He's an interesting one because he's never helping David out of the bottom of his heart. It's shown that they do have some um, affinity for each other, some some closeness, but more so, more than anything, Ripper Doc is about getting paid for what he, he provides. He's not going to do it out of the kindness of his heart, and he's not concerned with the technology that he gives you, whether or not it's going to kill you. That is of no concern to him. He just is all about them dollar-dollar bills, y'all. He's a cool character. He just has a great energy. His dialogues always hits, and the way that the vocal performance comes through always provides... Not only is some light humor, but some really coolness. You know, you really, you really feel a sense of, of just coolness, of personality, whatever you want to call it. His scenes never fail to entertain. The other members that comprise of David's newfound group, family, whatever you want to call them, the other cyberpunks, consist of Pilar, Rebecca, Maine, Kiwi, and Dorio. Now. I want to talk about Dorio and Maine first because these are characters that we actually end up losing kind of in the middle run of the series. Now, Maine is is really the archetype, the big brother role. Pretty much as we're as soon as we're introduced to the character Maine, he is a character that David just looks up to right away. Now, I have mixed feelings on this character because on one hand, I appreciate that he does provide this kind of mentor aspect to David. He does fill him with some good advice. I believe it's an epi- it's at the end of episode two or it's at the beginning of episode three where Maine actually says to David, you know, once this is once he's finally started to accept him a little bit and accept his presence around. And he just expresses to him, never you can the only person you can trust a hundred percent is yourself. Some stoic wisdom for a seasoned member of this world and a leader within the, their community. He passes on to David, and this is a sentiment that strongly looms over the entire series. Now, there aren't too many betrayals that happen in the series, but overall, tonally speaking, you know that everyone has their main agenda and then their their slightly more personal agenda that they hold close to their heart. Now, that, that theme really only comes into effect right in our last couple episodes, but overall, it's a sentiment that rings true throughout. Now, Maine, like, you know, like I said, he is this mentor character. He kind of lays the tracks down for what we will see from David. He's kind of a tragic warning that if David continues to go down this life being a cyberpunk, continuing to get these modifications as Maine did, then his life will end up the way that Maine's did. Now, Maine, in the middle of the series run, kind of there's a climactic battle for them all, and he ends up going full on cyber psycho. Um, unfortunate end to a really cool character. You know, his scenes always were very dynamic. He had a lot of personality. His character was definitely made very intentionally to be super cool. Um, but, it, you know, in his passing, it's a quick reminder that this series is a tragedy. And it was at this point I kind of figured that at the end of the series, there's not going to be a happy ending for our main characters. At best, we'll see them win a battle. But like we see at the end of the series... Uh, this is a tragedy. This series from start to finish is the tragic tale of David. Uh, what happens to him as a young child and 
how he meets a young end. I kind of wish that the series ended up on a slightly more optimistic note. However, that's just not the world that we live in for the terms of this narrative. Dorio was a really cool character as well. Dorio was like the left-hand woman for Maine, and I'm pretty sure they were in a relationship as well. At the very least, we did see a scene where they were hooking up. Uh, they seemed to kind of always work together. I kind of looked at them as like co-leaders, and Dorio was the more sound version of their leader dynamic. Uh, Dorio is cool, but our time with Dorio as a character was really short-lived, honestly, so we didn't get to really flesh out any more specific parts of their personality. Rebecca was the fun, quirky character turned, like, staple in the narrative by the end of it. She's, She's around. She's kind of, like, she doesn't really provide a specific, like, niche role to the group other than she's always involved in their missions. She has a lot of spunk. She's a sharpshooter, and she helps them get through whatever they need to. She's super reliable. Uh, She also provides a nice, fun balance to the group. She's very much so off the wall. She has a loud mouth, and she's not afraid to use it. Uh, She's kind of always... She's always cautioning David, especially later on when we see their group mature a little bit. She's kind of the main voice telling David to slow down and, you know, chill out or else he's going to lose it, even though she's constantly being ignored. Uh, She is the voice of reason, She's just not the voice anybody's listening to in the series. Uh, But I had a lot of fun with her, especially in the second half of the series. Her charm really grew on me, and I definitely got uh, some subtext that she had a big crush on David. There is some dialogue that she delivers in the last episode saying that Lucy is the only one that can bring him back. She's the only chance that has to. And I definitely, I felt like I got some registers of her being a little jealous that she's not that role for David. It, I think that she wants to be, but she can't. And that being said, her the role that she does provide, again, especially in the second half as kind of the number two within their group, uh, is definitely well used. And she she what she ended up providing for the group dynamic was indispensable, honestly, or else this group would have felt like a very unenergized, uh, dark, moody group of people just doing what they need to do. Her death in the final moments was very impactful. It was a very shocking moment. But the way that the narrative moves on past that, and that's just because this was really rushed. I mean, I don't know where they could have found more room within, you know, the 10 episode block that they had to do it. But I do wish that they had, they lingered on her death a little bit more. I wish that it had a stronger impact on the narrative and the characters. Just because she was such a cool character, we, we've had other deaths of our characters in our main group that had a much stronger impact. And so I wish that this one had the same. Kiwi was interesting. Her personality never got fully fleshed out. She did uh, kind of pull an Uno reverse on our main characters in the in the final couple episodes. She ended up turning on our team and selling them out to the to our big bad, who we'll get to in just a second. That was the meatiest plotline she had uh, early on in the series. She was really cool for some detached commentary. You know, she was just a really cool character when she got to sit back and kind of comment on everything that's happening. Uh, visually super striking character on screen I like her balance to the team Uh, that being said she was just she just wasn't that important she wasn't that well realized and her characterization came a little too late for it to have a big impact when she finally did pass away now our big bad for the series is Faraday and now now this as an antagonist is one of the things that worked really well Faraday is a super tycoon business guy. He is at the head of Militech, I think it's called, which is like, you know, a big government facing 
military technology that helps them govern the world that they live in. And even though he's at the head of that, he also is the one that provides the jobs for the cyberpunks. He kind of uh, exists in between the worlds of these gang worlds and the government world, and he's doing so masterfully. He's really the one stringing along all the plots throughout this series. Now, now Faraday, one of the reasons why this character was so realized as a excellent villain, I think he makes a really great uh, antagonist for the series, was for, again, I watched this in English, the voice acting of John Carlo Esposito. Does this guy ever miss? I mean, really, I mean, Breaking Bad, The Boys... Star Wars, this guy is the best villain to have in any fiction. The second I hear his voice popping up, I know that this villain's going to be badass. I have to say, of all the roles I just mentioned, this is probably the most muted version of it. But his diction, the way he carries himself, there's just something in that voice that immediately sets the stakes. Knows that you're not, the person who's talking is not to be fucked with to any imagine whatsoever. He really just brought this character to life. And I think if they hadn't had somebody who who had such a strong command over their vocal performance, that somebody even a little bit more muted, that this character would have fallen a little flat and the stakes would have been lowered for this world. Faraday as a villain on paper is definitely a cool one, but in terms of the actions that he physically takes throughout the series, I think that it's I think that it's thanks to John Carlos Esposito's performance that actually elevated him to this other level i think he would have been a fine villain without that vocal performance but john carlo esposito really elevates him to a great one and i that it cannot be undersaid how actually at times if i were to make a criticism the one critique i have is that his voice acting is so well realized and has such a strong tone that in juxtaposition to the other characters vocal deliveries it makes it makes kind of a jarring effect he is he feels like something out of such like a real world, you know, he really grounds it. And then when I'm watching when I'm hearing the other vocal performances, they feel more rudimentary, more like an anime dubbing I would hear otherwise. Whereas John Carlo Esposito seems like he's just operating on a different level. So yeah, there is kind of a critique in terms of the sound mixing. They might not necessarily be a great match at times, but his vocal performance alone was great. Going back to Lucy for a second as a character, I I really loved her character introduction. And as soon as I realized like the role that she plays, you know, crazy anime girl, super cool and detached that we look up to. The second that our character actually gets with Lucy, she starts to get a lot less interesting. I mean, really, I, I, I don't think that the rule with Lucy is less is more because the less we got out of her the less she was a character at all. I mean, she was such a cool character. They use her on all the promotional imagery for the series. But for her to take such a back seat in the in the last, like, four episodes is really jarring because her on screen, it was such a, it was such a large part of the overall charm. Uh, the balance that they had that, that was provided with, like, uh, the romantic tension between her and David or even just... Her overall energy in a fight, you know, she provided for some great animation. And, you know, when she gets to act wild in a fight, it's really fun. But we only get treated that a couple times. I understand why narratively for her character, they wanted to backline her a little bit. But she gets so little to do. If she's not having a direct conversation with David, she's a complete afterthought. I mean, really, even to the point where the characters ask, why is she not around? You know, 
I just feel like she she was fairly mishandled. And, you know, they bring her back at the end just to hearken on some big romance between her and David and remind you that she has this grand dream of going to the moon. I love to see that for her in the final moments. But overall, I mean, talk about uh, dropping the ball on a character. She just got really boring once her and, and David really got together. I would have preferred them draw out that plot, maybe have him even get with the other girl, Rebecca, for a little bit in the middle, and then at the end they realize that they're supposed to be together. Just give her something more to dive her claws into as a character because the way that they handled her really wasn't it for me at the end. Now, before I get on how I actually feel about how this show ended, because I have a lot of thoughts on that, one thing I really want to hearken on before I'm done with this conversation is the animation. I've touched on this already, but it you know the further we get in the into this timeline of our universe, the more and more animation con- continues to amaze me, you know, especially for anime series and on Netflix, like for the most part, a lot of great series are going to have great and stellar animation, you know, so more and more just having sleek movements and and big explosions and awesome colors. That's not going to impress an audience as much anymore. What you need to really uh, set yourself apart this day and age is unique animation, unique design choices, unique worlds, lighting, coloration. What, what have it. Uh, this series provides that. Um, it's, cert- it's not the sleekest thing I've ever seen. That being said, the animation on here is very consistent. It is very quick. Uh, the lines are very dynamic. It's very, uh, very narrow lines as well in terms of their line work animation. And I, I, I do think the animation is great, but it's really the uniqueness of the world that, they des- that they've built out. The colors are great. They, they realize their tone and their genre being this like cyberpunk show so well through their their color mixing really the lighting is always very dim you know you you get the sense that you live in this world where the lights are always off and we're just relying on like blue lights and technology light really to kind of light the world that they're in Uh, there's not much sun being depicted in the series i guess you could say particularly when we see david using his ability uh, i forget how to say it it's a tongue twister super stein or something like that Seeing the colored rainbow after images of him moving around actually never gets old. You think because they're just doing the same thing over and over again, really, for his like special power. You think that you would get tired of seeing it, but not once have I gotten tired of seeing it. I do think that this show could have had a better intro or opening track. Series like this that have such a unique feel visually and that just have great animation, you know, they usually go pretty hard on the actual opening intro. And with a world like this, with the characters that they have and like just the type of animation that they do in their fights, I think they could have had a really killer intro music video type thing that a lot of anime tend to have. Instead, they went for a more laid back approach to it. You know, they have they have these like silhouettes of explosions with different colors. But overall, I think that they chose to save a little bit of uh, money in their intro department. It's a small critique, but I was surprised that I didn't get more. Uh, of a bombastic type of intro there's just was a little bit over underwhelming for the show that they have now i really have mixed feelings about the way that this show ended you know like i mentioned it only has 10 episodes so by the time you get to episode 7 and episode 8 you see the stakes that are happening you can see that david is starting to slip and so we know that he can't continue in his right state for long we know that the options are he's going to lose it or he's going to die And this show seems to just have kind of a fatalistic tone. I mean, by the end of the series, of all of our group of protagonists, only two of them survive. One of them 
we don't even really get any characterization for whatsoever, just a few voice lines here and there. And and Lucy is the other one. You know, I just I just don't know if I love the fact that everyone kind of ends up dying. Of course, they do win the day. They stop their enemies from doing what they want to, I guess. But it's I guess it just underscores how much the series is a tragedy on paper. I mean, for the character for the character David, what we see happen to him is that he's grown up struggling his whole life and then things get even worse when his mom dies. He joins a criminal outlaw group and lives there for what, five to ten years maybe? If that, I think even less. It's probably more like a three to seven year journey that he goes on. Of course, he he gets this relationship, he gets all this money, but do we see David really being happy once he's grown up a little bit? I don't think so. All we see him do is coping with his physical capabilities and looking at the next job, and now he's the leader within the cyberpunk community and everyone's looking to him. We don't really see him smile anymore. And then at the very end, you know, of course, he gets the ring that bell of his true love with Lucy at the end there, but after that, he's just kaputs. He doesn't get to get his own happy ending. I just think that's really sad. Um, I, I don't know what they could have done differently. I probably, I don't know if there's another way to tell the story in 10 episodes without it being totally fa- fatalistic. And it's like, what was our, what were our characters really fighting for? Did they achieve it at the end of the day? I don't really think so. They just had this one big job they had to do. And I guess they kind of did it, but overall they pretty, they lost most of their team. It's just, it's just, you know, it felt grand. I will say it, it never lost that energy. But when you look back at it and you try to see, you know, what was the narrative arc of these characters, I'm just not seeing it. Maybe it takes somebody a little uh, smarter than me to see the to see what happened here. You know, they did they displayed their themes effectively, but narratively, I feel like I'm missing something. I guess is how I feel walking away from it. They definitely they definitely reached some cool peaks, and you know, spending this much time in this world was really fun. That's certainly true. They they certainly accomplished in having a entertaining story, but by the time you get to where we're going, I just I wonder what the point was. In the last two episodes, they even make a point to show the the audience this picture, this fame photograph of David and his mom before everything went crazy, to remember a time when things were more simple. And David, as he's starting to lose his senses a little bit, he also remembers these conversations he had of his mom you know, wanting him to get to the very top of the tower, you know, uh, the, these themes that they're, they're harking on towards the end here, it makes me wonder, is, is what they're trying to say, are they trying to underscore that David did make it to the top, he just did his own way of doing that? Sure, I mean, he certainly has a lot of esteem within his community now, he's looked at as some type of hero. Of course, it is said early on that, you know, you don't make a name for yourself in, until you die, so... You know, what's the point of of getting to the top if you're just going to die once you reach there anyways? I'm not sure. Or are they trying to, are they underscoring that he did it wrong, that everything went to shit and this is a perverted version of how his life should have been? I just don't know. I feel like they they didn't land on a specific theme there in particular. I'm not quite sure. I get, I, you know, I hate that I'm, I'm leaving here with so many question marks, but I mean, that's really what I'm walking away from the series feeling. A little bit unfulfilled I mean the story's done but as an audience I don't know if I reach the catharsis of any overall end goal or any end point all right I'm repeating myself here but let me just finish off and talk about some of the things that uh, I'm gonna walk away from the series really happy that I had consumed from it 
At the end of the day, Cyberpunk delivered some damn entertaining action sequences. There's action infused with the series throughout, which I also appreciate. The pacing of it stays up. It keeps you engaged. And I, again, it's only 10 episodes, but there's never really any points within the narrative that they allow you to check out. The narrative just keeps unfolding and the stakes keep getting higher. And so as a viewer, I was definitely engaged in the series. I watched this whole series in a day and a half. Uh, I know 10, 10 episodes doesn't sound like much, but in the streaming days and with the, you know busy lives, it, it felt like I just zoomed right through it. And I did enjoy pretty much every second of it. There's some choices I would have made a little differently or some characters that I fell in love with that I wish that we had stronger endings to their stories. But overall, spending the time within the cyberpunk world was super fun. I do think that there's room for maybe like a spinoff series of this world. You know, they could do more with this world. Certainly, this was honestly a a, a small story in a, in a grand world that they've set up here. Uh, like I mentioned, these character stories are done, but I would I would certainly roll the dice in this world again to see another story told uh, I- exactly in this narrative, exactly in this world that they've built out. The characters that they introduced definitely caught my attention in the series. Um, uh, they will certainly be sticking with me moving forward. And the visuals that the series provided, along with the music as well, I actually didn't touch on the music uh, the music goes right there hand in hand with the mixing of all the visuals and colors that they have going on. Tone wise, this is one of the cooler shows I've seen in the last few years, even if I don't think it was well executed across the board. I do think that this for for the genre that this is depicting, you know, sci fi, cyberpunk, that kind of storytelling. This is probably the most well executed version of that I've seen in animated form. So, yeah cyberpunk give it a shot you know this is a fun series this is actually getting me i'm kind of in the mood to play this game for the first time now too and i know that got a lot of crazy reviews so maybe that'll be my next thing a video game review who knows anyways that's going to bring this conversation to a close have you seen cyberpunk what do you think about it am i missing something here please if i am i want to hear from you you know hit me up on instagram on tiktok at the darius show or email me at the d show pod at gmail.com that's t-h-e-d-s-h-o-w-p-o-d at gmail.com let me know what you thought about this and let me know what you thought about my review let me know what i should review next all feedback is welcomed anyways yeah i think that's i think that's everything i have to say guys thank you for making it to the end of this and if you did remember that i love you